Good morning. 49 days till Easter. Yeah, it's coming up. Every week we seem to get closer and closer, right? And it's, it's going to be here before we know it. And we have an opportunity every single day to lead someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus. And I'm excited about what the Lord's doing in our lives. I've heard many stories about how you have been leading someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to keep telling those stories. Tell those stories about what God is doing in and through you and tell the stories of what God is doing in and through others. Tell the stories. It's incredibly encouraging. And we need to encourage each other to continue to be faithful, to lead others closer to Jesus. I remember last week and this trail of awe that we talked about thought about it several times during this week and been reminded through the week of what God what God is pleased with most what pleases God most and I want to remind you this morning of what I've been thinking of all week I hope you've been thinking of it if you were able to be here with us last Sunday what pleases God most is when we trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and for Christ to die for our sins so that we, through trusting in him, might be forgiven of our sins and bring glory to God for his work in Christ. What pleases God most is for us to trust in Jesus Christ. And so he gives us an opportunity every single day to open his word and to see in his word who Jesus is and what Jesus says and to behold the majesty of the Messiah and to stand in awe. And in standing in awe, decide afresh, I want to keep trusting in Jesus. What pleases God most is when we trust in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. And he has designed our journey to be a daily experience of all in Christ that would move us to do what pleases God most. Simply trust Christ. When I was a teenager, young teenager, 13, 14 years old, I was spending some time with my grandfather one summer. and He worked in the oil field at that time in my life. And he would invite me to go with him uh, for work during the day. And uh, he worked in the oil field, so he'd go check out some oil wells and some pump jacks. And I remember one day going with him, riding in the pickup truck over to a certain oil tank and some pump jacks. And driving up and seeing this big pump jack moving up and down. And there was steam or smoke coming out of the hole where the rod goes into the earth and pulls the oil out. And that smoke or steam's coming off of that rod. And we... We drove up there and stopped, and my, my grandfather said when we got out of the truck, he said, hey, when we go over there, don't touch that rod on that pump jack. 
So we go over there, he turns off the pump jack, it stops moving, and then he's got to go back to the truck to get some tools. And here I am looking at the pump jack, looking at him walking back to the truck. I'm looking at the pump jack, I'm looking at him walking back to the truck, and I see that steam or smoke coming off the rod of that pump jack. And he's over there digging around for some, some tools, and so I just edge over to the, you know what I did, right? I edged over to that rod, and I reached up with my forefinger and my thumb, and I touched that rod, and it set my fingers on fire. It burned me so bad, I was in such pain. He walks up and he sees my white face, pale face. And he says, what, what's wrong? Did you touch that rod? <laughs> and you know what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, no, I didn't touch that rod. But I'm sitting there just in pain from having been burnt from touching that rod. I'm sure you've had similar experiences in your life. And I'll never forget that moment because that was one of many lessons to come paying attention to the kindness of a warning. My grandparents warned me about things all the time. My parents warned me about things all the time. And it was not unusual to miss the kindness in the warnings as a kid growing up. And then I became a parent. And I started issuing warnings of my own to my kids. We all know what it's like to give warnings and to want warnings to be heeded because our warnings so often flow out of kindness and concern, care, love. We, we all understand the kindness and concern and care expressed in warnings. We get that. If I told you that I was driving along one night, late at night, around one of those small two-lane roads in, in, in Texas, and I'm driving, it's pitch dark outside, and I come to a really tight curve, one of those hair per, hair, hairpin kind of curves. Well, if I was driving down a road like that, I would likely come up on a series of warning signs. Warning me that the curve is coming, telling me how fast I need to go to take the curve safely and I'd probably see maybe some of those warning signs that show the contour of that hairpin curve. If I was driving along and I took that curve and after I made it safely past that curve I pulled my car over to the side of the road and I got out of my car and I went back and I, I, I just took every one of those signs out. I thought hey I made it. I'm not going to need those signs anymore. And I just took them all out. I removed all the warning signs. And then I drove off on my way. If I did that and I came to you on Sunday morning and said, let me tell you what I did this last week, you'd be like, what is wrong with you? We, we know and we feel the kindness and the rightness of warning. I mean, if you go and you buy something at the store today, there's likely to be a warning on that product. Why is that? Because we just know that warnings are good and right. And not warning someone of impending danger is unkind and uncaring. Not to mention costly. No one is as good and right, kind and caring as God. He wants us 
to experience what pleases Him most. He wants us to experience trusting in Jesus Christ and the full benefit of that trust in Christ. He wants us to have maximum experience of being in His grace. He wants us to do what pleases Him most, which is simply trusting in Jesus Christ. And so He has put into our lives and leveraged all His efforts and energy to encourage us to continue in faith in Christ so that we might experience all that it means to be in grace. One of God's great gifts of encouraging us to stay in the faith, to keep on believing in Christ, is warnings. God's warnings are perfect. They're kind. They're considerate, they're caring, and they're loving. His warnings are not meant to fail. His warnings are meant to succeed in securing a response that enables us to experience His goodness. His warnings are not given to us to decrease any certainty we have about what pleases God in our own lives. The warnings are actually given to increase our certainty in the Lord. His warnings are good, kind, and perfect, and they are meant to bless us. They're a gift. And I want us to open one such significant gift today. So let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. And formerly you, being alienated and hostile in your mind through evil deeds, Now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before him. Now before we move into the warning, verse 23, I want to make sure that we all see the kindness of God in verse 21 and 22. Because if you don't see the kindness of God, the warning will not have its proper effect. So let's see the kindness of God first. And the kindness of God is expressed in verse 21 and 22. In verse 21, it begins, the kindness of God begins to be expressed when the scripture says we all were once formerly alienated and hostile in our minds in such a way that it was expressed through evil deeds. Now that's something that is much easier to say about someone else than to have said about you. It's far easier to say, hey, that person is messed up than it is to admit, I'm messed up. And so I recognize when 
The scripture says of us, you were alienated and hostile in your mind against God such that what you did was evil. That our mechanism of response to that statement is often defensive. I, I wasn't angry with God. I wasn't hostile towards God. I don't, I don't have a problem with God. I've always believed in God. I've always thought God was a good thing. And so I, I want us to see what God is saying properly because if we do not see what God is saying about each one of us, we will miss the kindness of God. And if we miss the kindness of God, the warning will not be what God intends it to be. So I want you to think about this phrase, this perspective on God's kindness from a couple of perspectives. It's an indictment. This is an indictment against every one of us. I want to encourage you to see the indictment in a couple of ways. Whenever you hear that you are hostile and evil in what you do, prior to trusting Christ, I want you to hear this through a lens that will help you understand what God is saying. Now, one of the things you need to recognize is that the author of this particular letter is Paul. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has penned this letter so that we might hear what God has to say to us. So this is a message to us. And I love that God spoke about how we are in our evil deeds through an instrument who said he's the worst sinner of all. So Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I've killed other Christians. I have approved the killing of Christians. There's nobody worse than me. So it kind of takes the edge off a little bit if we understand who the one is, who's the one that's saying this. So This is somebody who knows what it's like to be as bad as you can imagine being. Saying you're not doing so good either. And the framework we want to see this in is through the framework that maybe you might have experienced at some point in your life. Have you ever gone to another country? Maybe a culture that is not the same culture you grew up in. I remember the first time that I went to China. And uh, I was over there and I learned really quickly a couple of simple things that you don't want to do. Um, I have been used to using a toothpick whenever and however I want to use it to no regard of anybody else's opinion about me sticking that toothpick in my mouth and cleaning stuff out of my teeth. When you get over to China, if you use a toothpick, like we often use it here in the States, you are offending everybody that sees you. And so what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to take that toothpick, you're supposed to cover your mouth and make sure that nobody sees what you're doing with that toothpick. Because that's the way they think about what's offensive and what's not offensive. But I don't see a problem with just picking my teeth. But they do. I learned also about chopsticks. When you're using chopsticks and you're eating out of a bowl or something, you don't take those chopsticks and stick them into the bowl and then just let them sit there. If you do that, people think that you're offended at the food and it's terrible and you don't want it anymore. 
I can remember the first time I did that and people started looking at me funny and said, why are you offended at the food we're serving? I don't know what you're talking about. I just put my chopsticks in the bowl. I always do that. No, 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 you got to take the chopsticks, you got to lay them across the bowl. So they're not just sitting there as if you don't like it, but they're sitting there so you're ready to keep eating because you love it. This is as simple as that. Now, I didn't know I was hostile, alienated, and wrong in what I was doing. Because I had a standard that informed me that what I was doing was just fine. But there, it wasn't just fine. One of the great ploys of our enemy is to convince us we are not as bad as we are. That we're just fine. If we fail to see just how bad we are, we fail to see the true kindness of God. The standard of whether or not we are good or bad is the holiness of God. I may not think that what I have done is all that bad and compared to somebody else that's done something worse, it may not feel all that bad. But my actions and my mind is not set against the standard of other people who are worse than me. Who I am, what I think, and what I do is set against the standard of a holy God. And compared to God's holiness, I am hostile in my mind and evil in my deeds. I am without hope. I am far worse than I can ever imagine. I am far more sinful than I could ever account for. I am far more against God than I would ever admit. Because the standard is not what I think about myself or what I think about myself compared to somebody else. The standard is what I measure up against when I see my life in light of the holiness of God. And the Word of God says that Everyone falls short of the holiness of God to a degree that the only salvation possible is that Jesus Christ would die for our sins. That's how far gone we were. If, if we don't see that, what God rescued us from, we don't see God's kindness. I mean, if you think about it, what, what did God reconcile you from? Well, according to the scripture, he reconciled you from the domain of darkness. That doesn't sound so good. He reconciled you from sin and the accountability of your sin. That doesn't sound so good. He rescued you from being alienated and estranged from God. That doesn't sound so good. He rescued you from evil works. That doesn't sound so good. So far, I'm liking the fact that God's reconciled me from something that's really bad. And this is how we've got to view this. You know, there was a time in the life of Jacob 
who was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, his next to youngest kid, Joseph, living in Egypt, while all his family were back home where he'd been raised, starving to death because there was a famine in the land. Well, Joseph had been raised up in Egypt. It's an amazing story in Genesis 40 and around about. So if you haven't read it, go to Genesis 40. Check that story out. It's an amazing story how God raises up Joseph in Egypt in order to supply for his family who would otherwise die back home. So Joseph's brothers show up one day wanting food, and Joseph rec recognizes his brothers. They have this eventual reunion where Joseph supplies their food, and Pharaoh hears about uh, this reunion of the family. And, and Joseph wants his dad and the rest of his family all to come and live in Egypt so that they might be saved from the famine. You know what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh says, you need to go back and you need to get your whole family, and this is what you need to tell your dad. You tell your dad he doesn't worry, need to worry about bringing anything that belongs to him, anything he's put his hope in, anything that he has as a possession. Tell him not to worry about anything that's his. Just leave it where it is because when he gets here, I'm going to give him the riches of Egypt. God reconciled you from death, sin, and brokenness and his kindness is that you can leave all that behind and walk into the riches of his grace he's reconciled you from but he's also reconciled you to you need to see this picture of God's kindness as well God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ, so that he might present you holy, faultless, and blameless. God has reconciled us to himself by way of the death of Jesus Christ. It took the death of Christ to reconcile us from the domain of darkness, but he put us in the kingdom of light. And he did that through the death of Christ. That was the ransom that was paid to transfer us, to reconcile us. And he did it so that he might present us a ready bride. Holy, blameless, faultless. God wanted to present us so that we would be ready for the return of Christ, presented to him holy, blameless, and faultless. So here's, here's what God has done in reconciling us. He's reconciled us to holiness. He's taken us who were formerly sinful and hostile, even in our works, and he has erased our sin through our faith in Jesus Christ so that he is credited towards our lives, his righteousness, so that we are declared holy, ready, for the return of Jesus. When I trusted in Jesus Christ, I received the righteousness of Christ in exchange for my sin so that every single day, the rest of my life on this earth, I am ready for the return of Christ in the sense that I've been made brand new. I am holy with the holiness of Christ. So I'm ready for Christ to come back. He reconciled me to readiness. Holiness. But that holiness, that state that I am now in through reconciliation 
is meant to be lived out in a journey of reconciliation. I have been declared holy so that I might live in a state of readiness. I've been declared ready so that I might live ready. And my living ready is simply doing what Jesus Christ expects me to do while I wait. And all of that flows out of the trail of all. I want to every day spend time seeing who Christ is, hearing what Christ says, standing in awe of Him, and deciding again and again, I want to trust you with everything I am. And so I'm going to do the things that demonstrate my state of readiness. I'm ready for Christ to return, and I want that readiness to work its way out in my life every day so that I do what trust looks like every single day. Readiness means I've been declared ready by Jesus Christ, by being given his righteousness. And so I want to live in that righteousness, doing what's expected of me as one who's ready for the return of Christ. And I also want to make sure I'm inviting others to join me in being ready for the return of Christ. Jesus Christ reconciled me to present me, present us ready by declaring that you are ready you are holy so that you might live as a ready person and you might help others become ready as you wait. Jesus Christ has reconciled you to the most significant purpose this side of heaven. He is kind. He is good. And he is loving. And if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you've experienced his kindness. And in seeing his kindness, you now can hear the warning. Verse 23. You have been reconciled. Verse 23. If you remain in the faith, Firmly established and steadfast and not moved from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, am a servant. You are reconciled from your hostility to God to the family of God, ready for the return of Christ if you remain in the faith. On the journey or the road of reconciliation, God has graciously planted a warning sign that as we drive down the road of reconciliation, we see that warning sign and we understand that the kindness of God is that we stay in the faith. Because nothing pleases God more than trusting in Jesus Christ. And so he places this warning and it says, You have been reconciled. You have been taken from the domain of darkness and placed in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You've been taken out of your sin and you've been given holiness. You've been made a brand new person in Christ. 
if you stay in the faith. So let me just ask you this. If you see the kindness of God, how do you respond to the warning? You stay in the faith. Simple as that. Like, yes, I want to stay in the faith. Yes, Lord, thank you for reminding me. Yes, thank you for showing me the stakes are so large. Yes, thank you, Father, for caring enough about me that you would not allow me to travel this journey of reconciliation and miss the blessings of your grace that are found through the journey of faith. Thank you. So what does this mean for you and me? You have been reconciled if you remain in the faith. What is this saying? I mean, does this not create a question in your mind? How many people here have either experienced or seen someone who identified as being on the journey of faith? I've trusted in Jesus Christ and I'm following him. And then we saw that person drift away from that journey of faith. What is this saying? That that person has now no longer been reconciled? What, what happened? Did they get reconciled and then the reconciliation was taken away because they didn't do enough of following Christ in the way that they were supposed to? What is going on here? And let me just remind you that the only reason we asked questions like this is because we miss the kindness of God. God's kindness gives us warnings so that we experience the benefit of the warning and we stay in the faith. God's kindness in the warning is not meant to bring about uncertainty. The warning is not meant to make us question whether or not we're in Christ. The warning is meant to secure the reality that we are in Christ. So, so what do you do with somebody that has been walking the life of faith and then they depart? What do you think about that person? What are you supposed to realize about that person? I want you to think about your life for a second. You placed your faith in Jesus Christ because of your alienation from God in your sin. And Jesus Christ transferred you from the domain of darkness into the, the kingdom of his son. If God forgave you of your sin and put his Holy Spirit in you as a guarantee that someday he's coming to take you home, that you're a part of his family, if God did that in you, then God wants to do everything to make sure you always know you're in the family. And how unkind would it be of God to communicate to us once you're in the family, if you drift from the faith, it doesn't matter one bit. That's not kind. That's not loving. No, it's right of God to say if you're in the family, 
If you've experienced this transfer, if you've experienced receiving new life, then you need to stay in the faith because staying in the faith is where you are reminded you are in the family. And if you are reminded you're in the family, you're going to stay in the faith. And if you stay in the faith, you'll be reminded you're in the family. And if you're reminded you're in the family, you're going to stay in the faith. God's warnings are meant to cause those who belong to him to stay in the faith no matter he wants us to be firmly established. Any of you ever built a shed in the backyard, a storage building, or a doghouse, something like that? If you want something to be movable, you build it on skids. You don't put concrete foundation. If you want something to be settled there, you put a concrete foundation, then you build the building on it. That's what firmly established means. You have built a concrete foundation, and your faith in Christ will not be moved. You, you need to be steadfast in your faith. You ever ridden one of those roller coasters in an amusement park? You get in there and you buckle in with the seatbelt and the big old thing comes over and you all of a sudden didn't know you were claustrophobic until that moment? And then that roller coaster takes off and you take these big dips and these turns and these loops and these drops and, and you're not allowed to get out of that seat because you're being held fast. Steadfast means that no matter what life throws at you, you will not be moved from Christ. If you're not going to depart from the hope of Christ, it means I've got this friend, he plays golf, and man, I've seen him through many years change golf clubs, I don't know how many times, I think he's averaged two sets of golf clubs per year. He like goes through golf clubs like you wouldn't believe. And I've always been a little bit critical of him for that. Because I've only changed sets of golf clubs three times in my life. I think that's a lot better than 25 times. But what's true is that I have changed golf clubs three times, which means I've changed. Doesn't matter how many times. If you're going to be if you're going to be steadfast, immovable, set in the hope of God, it means that you are not going to try any other way, ever, but Jesus Christ. The Lord wants us to remain in that kind of faith because remaining in that kind of faith makes us know that we are part of the family. When my parents adopted me, you know what they did? I was just a little baby. They immediately started to do everything they could to make sure that I felt like I was a part of the family. They, they bought me baby bed, they decorated my room, they gave me a name, and they gave me their last name. They would celebrate my birthday, and they would treat me um, like I was their own child in every way, shape, and form. I'll never forget my grandmother pulling me aside one day and saying to me, Kevin, I want you to know that even though you were adopted, that you are as much my grandchild as any other grandkid in this family. Why did she tell me that? Because she knew that knowing I was in the family would change my life. Why does God warn us like this? Because he knows that knowing we're in the family changes everything. And you cannot know you are in the family 
if you drift from the faith like you know you're in the family when you stay in the faith. And so he gives you a great gift to say to you, stay in the faith. So what if someone has drifted? Are they saved? Well, if you have been reconciled and you have received these gifts, God is not telling you that you can undo what was done through the work of Christ by the lack of your own effort in your life. He is not telling you that you are saved through faith in Christ on the basis of the work of Christ so that you could actually have it taken back from you on the basis of your lack of work. That is not what God is telling you. What He's telling you is that if you've been saved on the basis of the work of Christ, then you will continue in the faith of Christ. And if you decide that you don't want to continue in the faith, God has given you this warning to wake you up to what it means to be in the family because he doesn't want you to miss out on the blessings of his grace. And if you hear the warning of Christ and you think to yourself, that doesn't matter, then what I want to tell you is that God is still kind to you and that he's giving you breath and life so that you might wake up and come to your senses and recognize that if you don't care about the warnings of Jesus Christ, it might be that you're off the road. But God in His kindness is going to continue to bring forth warnings so that you might respond and come back to the faith. Because if you have been reconciled, his kindness is always at work to bring you into the faith and keep you in the faith. So if you drift from the faith, God is going to discipline you. He's going to work on you. He's going to send warnings to you. He's going to do everything he can to get you back because you are meant to live in faith. Because you're a part of his family. So if you're here today and you think, man, I've drifted. I've drifted so far and there is no way that uh, God's going to take me back. I've gone over the edge. I ignored the warning signs and I flew off the road over the cliff. I want to tell you this morning that God's work of reconciliation has never been about how good you can be. His work of reconciliation was always first about how bad you were and how much he did to save you from all of that evil so if you've driven off the cliff you are right in a place where God's reconciliation can grab you and bring you home so if that's you respond to the warning come back home and be reminded by the goodness of God that you are in the family and stay in the faith if you hear this this morning and you recognize, I have never made the decision to trust in Christ. I, th I thought what it meant to trust in Christ would just be better than, uh, you know, the next person. I thought what it meant to be a Christian was to come to church and try to be a good person and just be nice to other people. I, I thought it, what it meant to be a Christian was just, just 
be a decent person if that's what you thought. And you recognize this morning that that's not what Christianity is about. Then let me just tell you, God is inviting you through Jesus Christ to be reconciled from your hostility and alienation to God into the family of God so that you might experience what it means to belong to Him. And, and, and here's, here's what you need to do. Believe in Jesus Christ. That's what pleases God the most. If, if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm on the road, I'm paying attention to the warnings, I'm trying to go up the trail of all, and you hear this warning, then this is what this warning ought to do in your heart. It ought to make you want to follow Christ even more. I want to keep going down the trail of all. I want to honor Christ. And you know what God's going to do in your life? If you respond to this warning, as a, as a person who's been reconciled, then you want to continue to see Christ and you are burdened to help somebody else see Christ too. When you see the kindness of God like this, you travel that trail of all and you decide it's far better to travel the trail of all, not as hiker but as a trail guide and you want to keep taking that trail and learn as much about Christ as you can along the way but you also recognize there's something amazing about having someone else along with you on that trail helping them to see Christ in fact you recognize that you're learning things about Christ that you might never otherwise learn except through being a trail guide, learning about Christ and helping someone else learn about Christ. You can walk that trail and you can point out to that person, hey, you see that warning sign? God's given us that warning because he doesn't want us to stop following him because he knows if we stay in the faith, we're going to know we belong to the family. If we know we belong to the family, we're going to stay in the faith. And that's what he wants for us. You're going to walk along that trail as a guide. You're going to point out the awe of Christ. And you're going to lead someone to simply trust in Christ. And you will know, like God wants you to know, you're in the family. You belong. That's what it really means to follow Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a ready God.